Chapter 3 Let the subterfuge begin in a flurry of sparkle. With Verdun being so close to Chateau de Goudin, most of the order members would be descending upon the castle by foot. However, Daniel and Ethan were to be driven around to the main entrance by Merrick, who would be allowed to wait in the car until they emerged from the ball. Max and Nadia would be driven by Cedric, who would follow suit with Merrick. Once they got situated, Danielle leaned over and whispered to Ethan, "'Remember not to accidentally make eye contact with Merrick in the rearview mirror, now that the sun has set.' He laughed softly and said, "'I've learned that one the hard way a number of times.' "'No need to whisper, since I can hear you all the same,' responded Merrick while laughing. Ethan chuckled and shook his head. "'How could I forget that when I've literally spent a hundred years as a vampire before now?' Danielle knew his question had been rhetorical, for the fact had slipped her mind as well. "'Are you suffering from sympathetic pregnant brain? I'm not surprised I forgot, but you too?' He blinked and laughed again. "'If that is the case, then I find it rather troubling. What will I sympathize with next?' "'No idea,' she said, forcing herself to focus on having fun, rather than the discomforts of pregnancy in her future, even if he might be sympathizing with her. Distracting herself was easy when she took in how the road leading to the chateau was lined with torches, making Danielle feel like Cinderella approaching the fateful ball in her story. The difference being Danielle already possessed her Prince Charming, so she knew her evening would not result in a race to escape before the magic ended, and her secret identity was revealed by a tattered dress and the soot-stained cheeks of a toiling servant. But did she share the need to mask her true self from the guests at this ball? and then suffer perhaps more perilous consequences if she was recognized. Danielle was unable to deny there might be a measure of truth in Ethan's concerns, which he was graciously setting aside so she wouldn't miss out on this rare opportunity. Her eyes shifted to her husband as she wondered if his thoughts were as conflicted as hers. If they were, he didn't show it. When he noticed her perusal, he smiled and gathered her hand into his. Warm fingers reminded her that he had a beating heart unlike their driver. And if she could be in danger, then so could he. But then Danielle remembered that she probably shouldn't be dwelling on things that made her worry, and should instead try harder to just enjoy the evening. Stop stressing, she told herself and looked out the window again. The gate at the end of the drive was overgrown with what appeared to be electric pink bougainvillea. Since the sun had set, she was only guessing on the colour based on what she could see when the headlights struck it. As they drew closer, she could see that paint was peeling off the ornate wrought-iron gate. The stone pillars on either side of it were crumbling in places. Danielle would say the overall effect was a unique mix of romantic and mystifying, which made her wonder about the inside. Would it be elegant in a tattered sort of way, or would it more likely be a little spooky in a haunted house sort of way? Merrick brought the car to a stop in front of the gate. No one was around to open it that she could see. They sat there for a long moment before Merrick opened his door and began to get out. I guess I'll have to open it. But before he set foot on the ground, the gate began to open, as though on its own, and her mind immediately imagined the haunted house scenario. Chills sliding up her spine at the idea of ghosts being in attendance, along with fairies and silly old sorcerers. Hmm, he said and shut the door. As Merrick pulled through the gates, Danielle still didn't see anyone nearby nor was there anything to indicate the gate had been upgraded to make it automatic, so the mystery remained. 
Is Sir Roland opening the gate with magic? Danielle asked in a state of intrigue, already making her a bit confused as to how she should really be feeling. I was just pondering the same question, Ethan said, but when Max and I met him, it seemed as though his magic was quite weak, or at least he was working to actively preserve it for only the most necessary spells. Ethan paused as though trying to remember. Yes, that's what he said. His magic had been greatly diminished when he'd been cursed by another sorcerer, and he'd been forced to conserve his powers. He was cooking and cleaning for himself and living a very meagre existence, so I'd wager that opening the gate would probably be an impractical use of his powers. I felt rather sorry for the poor old gent, to be honest, although he seemed quite content with his lot for the most part. So then who opened it? she asked with a return of the chills. And if he's so weak, how can he enforce the truce you and Max were talking about? Danielle queried, because if Ethan had his doubts about this, then Mr. Bossypants could very well make an appearance tonight, therefore putting a damper on the evening she didn't want. 